W263AI Murfreesboro. W270AF Murfreesboro. WGNS Murfreesboro. This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. News time right now, 8-11. You're tuned in to WGNS. Our guests in studio this morning are from the Rutherford County School System. And with us today, Assistant Superintendent for Engineering and Consulting, Trey Lee, and also School Safety Director, David Krim. And I believe uh, James Evans, Communications Director, may be joining us. I'm not real sure. I have his name down, so... Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? <laughs> I think he's uh, going to be a no-show this morning. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so what's happening within the schools with, you know, COVID-19? I'm sure that's totally changed everything, especially, well, with school safety. For one, you don't have as many students there, so it's got to be totally different. Well, it, it is different in the sense that we have uh, another level of uh, responsibility to our faculty, staff, and students to keep the schools safe uh, once the uh, state guidelines came down. Uh, we had to enact a whole new process for identifying um, contacts and, if necessary, quarantining them. So that's added another level, certainly, to uh, our, uh, certainly uh, Sarah Winters, our, our director of nursing, has had a busy year. So what roles, I guess, fall under, you know, as far as safety goes with COVID-19? I mean, are you looking for, uh, you know, kids without masks on? Or, I mean, what's going on? With no, that? there's a requirement to wear masks for all persons inside the school. And, the, and all the children have done great with that. The faculties have been very careful about that. And, and the administrators are watching out over that constantly. The the thing that we have to do is is make sure the social distance is being kept as much as possible and that certainly is a challenge for teachers and administrators because as you know children um you know they're, they're kids and they're going to play with each other the young ones and so forth on the on the uh, playgrounds and uh, we just have to be cautious with what's going on and try to keep them apart as much as possible in the classroom uh, desks are separated as much as possible to keep the children apart and state guidelines are that if they come closer than six feet for more than 15 minutes and we have a positive case and those those persons would have to be quarantined for 14 days so with almost 50 percent of the students i guess being distant learners at some schools have you had issues with with bullying still like online or i mean what what has grown and what has decreased uh, we've definitely had a decrease in in the bullying overall uh there's the kids this year are, are just great about it really um we've had one or two instances take place that i'm aware of uh, we do have uh, a software that uh, i encourage parents and students to be interested in it's called stop it and stop it uh actually is a anonymous reporting process that we subscribe to so that children or parents can report any bullying that might be taking place. But you haven't had, I, I guess, anywhere near the amount lately as you have in past school years or semesters. No, I would say the instances that have come to my attention have probably dropped 90%. 
this year. Now, from what I understand, even in high school lunch period, kids are being separated to some extent, being told, well, you can't sit more than X amount per table here. And so, I mean, everything is is more distant as far as kids being in groups. Correct. So Uh, I guess that helps as well. Absolutely. It, It gives more space to the to the body so to speak and so kids don't feel as tight and it, it does help that feeling for kids that have that claustrophobic moment in the hallway we don't have that so much right now have you had an increase in students coming to their teachers saying you know i'm i'm depressed because of everything going on i'm, I'm anxious because of everything going on have you had issues with that i'm not aware of too much of that going on no sir no Again, David Krim with us this morning and also with us, Trey Lee. And Trey, with, I guess, engineering and building of new schools because of COVID-19, have you found or come up with new ideas for the future for the county school system as far as more buildings or less? Well, uh, um, at the continued rate of growth that we are, um, there's a lot of uh, conversation out there about nobody wants to build more buildings um, due to cost constraints however um, at the growth that we're continuing to see and the number of new subdivisions and apartment complexes and things like that that are coming up um, not building is I wish we could say it's uh, not going to happen but uh, unfortunately we're, we're still added at this point uh, based on the numbers we have around 1100 students so far this year over last year um, so the, the growth continues, um, even with the uh, uh, issues of COVID this year, we're, we're finding that um, as the uh, local governments send us their um, approved um, building permits and things like that, we're seeing uh, growth over last year uh, still to this point. Um, last numbers I got, uh, they're up still close to 20%. What are, some, what are some of the plans right now as far as where the next school is going to go and everything? Well, right now we've just recently started a new elementary school between Christiana and Buchanan uh, out off 231. It's actually between 231 and the interstate. Uh, this school will relieve overcrowding at four elementary schools uh, where presently we have uh, 32 or 33 portable classrooms in use at four schools. So if you take 33 classrooms out of those schools, uh, a new elementary typically is, you know, somewhere between 50 and 65 classrooms. So you've you're got a half a school sitting at four other schools ready for a new place to go. So this new school is under construction now, right? Yes. And give us a better idea of where it's located. If you're going down, I don't know, Highway 41 towards Manchester out of Murfreesboro how would you find it it, it would be on uh, the the east I mean the west side of the interstate or the depending on your perspective it'd be the south side southwest side so if you got off at um, the Buchanan exit where outpost armory and the mm-hmm. truck stop and that sort of thing is if you got there and got over to sledge road it's probably within two miles of that exit that, that's pretty far out there yes sir we're getting on out there close to the county line. I, I don't, because there's never been a school, you know, in that exact area, I guess. Well, you have Christiana, and then you have Buchanan over on 41. 
but, but when and I this think goes of Sledge about Road, ha- is halfway in between. But when I think of Sledge Road, it, it's just kind of farmland out there. Well, it used to be. Uh, <laughs> um, there's two subdivisions already uh, uh, out there, and um, there's two or three others proposed. Uh, one of them is uh, fairly sizable; it's about 1,500 units. Um, so that's. Um, we figure uh, new subdivisions typically have been 1.4 children per home. So if you do the math, 1,500, um, that's over tw- that's over 2,000 students right there in one subdivision. Now, it's not all going to get built this year. It's probably, like most of our large subdivisions, it's a three- to five-year you know, development. But it seems to me as fast as they're getting them completed, somebody's moving in them. So... 231 South has a new subdivision that's, uh, it, it looks very large. It's on the right as you're headed towards Shelbyville. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know how many houses are, are actually there already constructed, but, you know, it, it looks like that area is going to grow even more. That is correct. And if you ride out 99, you know, we recently opened Rockville High School two years ago. Go out there now, you get out there past, we still call it WT's Market, get out there past WT's Market, there's three subdivisions coming right there that they've already cut the road in and starting to develop that area uh, we've got uh, we have land presently out in the walter hill area but that cut off road uh, part of uh, the county is growing there's new subdivisions coming out there if you go over toward oakland high school out there off 96 there's two or three subdivisions going there between oakland and las casas um, there doesn't seem to be a place in the county used to we kind of followed the growth around the county and it would be in murfreesboro for a little while and then it'd be down towards smyrna and then it would move over here it's it's everywhere you go what about the area around halls hill pike and daniel mckee have you talked about any new schools that direction no sir we haven't that seems to be the one area where we're not seeing too much growth however I got a thing from the county the other day. There, there's a new subdivision um, out there um, between Daniel McKee and Las Casas. So, so the areas that I was thinking we were going to get a breather, um, they're beginning to uh, pop up. One thing that that may help us uh, somewhat is uh, the city of Murfreesboro is no longer providing sewer for uh, developments that are outside the city limits. Uh, if you're not in the city limits, they, they used to what we call the outside the limits uh, purchaser. Um, they've come to the conclusion that, 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 that their uh, sewer capacity is reaching an end at some point and they're having to be a little <coughs> bit more uh, restrictive on what they do. So unless you're in the city limits, uh, or you're a school or a park if you're a school or a park you can still get sewer outside the city limits but no new developments outside of the city limits are going to be allowed to get sewer which is part of the growth i mean when we built rockville middle school some 12 13 years ago that was one of the things we did we ran sewer all the way out there um, um, and which helped you know, future development. These new developments now that are coming in will be able to tie into sewer, but they have to be in the city limits. Any new high schools on the drawing board or middle schools? Uh, Where I would, we would love to have land on the west side. I'm going to bring it up again. I brought it up the last time I was here. I brought it up the last two or three times. We're still looking for property between Rockvale and um, Stewart's Creek. 
the problem now is um, the further you get out, uh, th there's a limitation to how far you can do uh, w uh, pressurized sewer system. Uh, typically about a mile uh, for us is kind of our range. The last piece of property we looked at was, you know, out there on 96. The city owns it and was going to build a park on it. And, and um, that property didn't work out for us. So, so that's about a mile from Veterans Parkway. That's where the sewer line is presently. Um, and I don't see the city. They don't have any in in indications that they're going to go further out. Um, Mayor, former Mayor Burgess's property, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about it. Um, they're looking at now staying in the county and and uh, and uh, building their own sewer system, you know, for to, to, to take care of them. So when you say Rockville to Stewart's Creek, that means a new high school, middle school, whatever it is, could be built on either side of 840. Yes, that, that is correct. If we can find some property where we can. The problem with the property out there is a lot of that, that property is far enough out that you can't get to sewer. Um, and and the, so you would have to build your own standalone sand filtration system, which we see a lot of in Rutherford County. In fact, we've got four or five schools that have them. Um, so it's nothing new for us. The problem is you have to have the right soil conditions, and that part of the county doesn't have the right soil conditions. It's mostly rock. It has very little. Um, um, we, and we have access to most of the geological maps that the engineers and the city and the county has, and that property out through there is problematic because it just doesn't have enough dirt. How much land is actually needed for a school? Well, if you're just going to build a standalone elementary, you need 25 to 30 acres. If you're going to build a standalone middle school, about 35 to 40, depending upon the soil. High school, 65 to 75. So uh, if we had a three-school site, you know, somewhere around 150 acres, you know, 125 to 150 acres, because you have to have a certain amount of uh, land that you can dedicate to stormwater <laughs> retention. Uh, then if you're far enough out, then you've got to have land uh, to do the, the sand filtration system for your uh, sewer system. So if it was a single school, an elementary, you'd probably need about 8 to 10 acres uh, just for that sand filtration system. And if it's a middle school, you're 10 to 12. Uh, and then a high school, you'd probably be looking at 15 to 20. So you put all that together, you know, you could need an extra 30 30 plus acres, you know, just for your standalone sewer system. So whenever a new school is built or proposed, when you start meeting with architects, do you also try to figure into the school plans, uh, you know, ideas for safety, things to do in order to make the school safer in the future? I, I mean, how, how does all of that go together? Typically, uh, it, we, at the completion of every school, and since David's been on board, I have another set of eyes. In the past, it's been mostly myself, uh, working with some of the SROs that we work with and, and the Sheriff's Department. But we typically take a step back at the end of each school, and, we, and it's not just safety. We look at energy consumption, we look at sustainability, we look at function, we look at um, uh, how that we, we meet with the administrators typically about six months in go okay now this is a you know especially if it's a new design a John Coleman elementary or a Rocky Fork elementary where we you know we have a new design that's a two two-story 
we meet with those principals and go, okay, we've we've done all this stuff, but you're the you're the boots on the ground. You tell us what works, what doesn't work, what you'd like to see different next time, that sort of thing. And even uh, we've had principals come back a year, eighteen months, two years later, and go, now that we've I've gone through a whole year, you know, here's something that you know, here's an idea for you. And and with David on board, we look at it from a from a tactical standpoint. Um, we're always trying to improve um, and be as economical as possible. We, we still pride ourselves that, that we build functional, sustainable schools that for those in the surrounding area, we're still building cheaper per square foot than they are. Um, and I think that's a, a compliment to all of our staff members that, that help us on this. Do you do any of the schools have like geothermal heating and cooling right now, or is that something that you're going to look into? We started geothermal about 13 years ago with the Stewart's Creek sites. Uh, every new school has it, uh, and we've even gone back where possible uh, when we added on, uh, built the annex for Oakland Middle. Uh, we were able to, we still had capacity there, geothermal capacity, so we actually made that annex geothermal. Um, some of the schools, uh, if you're doing an addition or, or a new annex, and I'll use uh, the one we got underway right now, Laverne Middle, um, that school is not conducive for it. Uh, so that school we did not, but wherever possible we can, we do that, but we also look at other um, energy alternatives. Uh, in fact, the new addition that we just um, completed at um, Rock Springs Elementary was in conjunction with TVA, and they actually gave us, uh, we worked with them on the type and style of equipment that we used, and they actually gave us money back as an energy incentive uh, at the completion of the project. They gave us construction dollars back uh, for working with them with sustainable types of energy uh, equipment. And we do that all the time. We have a really good relationship with Middle Tennessee Electric. Um, Kevin Lee and those guys over there, we meet with them quite often. They're bringing ideas to us all the time. So, so we're working continuously with our energy providers and those kind of folks too to, to do everything we can. Um, to, to make our building sustainable and energy efficient. So right now, eventually you're gonna to have to build another high school, another middle school, but there's not any under construction at this moment. Uh, no sir, no middle, no, no high school. But uh, we're continually looking, If there again, we could use a, a property for a middle school on that west side. We've got Rockvale Middle, I've got seven, at no eight portable classrooms out there now. Stewart's Creek Elementary is on the verge, I mean Stewart's Creek Middle is on the verge of needing portables. Blackman Middle, we built an annex there four years ago, it's now full. Um, they're, they're over, uh, if everybody was there, we would, we'd be looking for uh, additional classrooms at Blackman Middle. So that area right there all three schools are at or over capacity so we need another relieving school in that area trey lee and david krim with us this morning from the rutherford county school system uh, did you ever think rutherford county would have this kind of growth that we're seeing now i'm a i'm a seventh generation 
Rutherford County in, I guess. So, so the answer to your question is no, uh, I did not. But having seen it over the last 13 years, it has not, it, it's been steady. It's not like a, a lot of places that will have a big spike. We've averaged anywhere from 900 to 1100, and I call that fairly flat, every year for the last 13 to 15 years. That, that's just mind-boggling to me. And, and right now we're seeing, of course, property taxes go up in nearby Nashville. Uh, this is for commercial and residential properties. So that's probably going to push more people to Rutherford County. It does. And, and one thing we're seeing now uh, a lot more of is people from other states. Yes. We're, we're really, we're, in fact, uh, we got a couple of new SROs that are from out of state. They were law enforcement folks in other places out on, I'll throw one of them out there. He was uh, from California, mm -hmm. and, and they moved here a couple of years ago for the same reason that a lot of the other people are It's a great place to live. So, so uh, they're leaving. Um, I had a friend that uh, recently had a home for sale that we thought would be on the market for quite some time, and it sold overnight to a couple out of Washington State. I mean, they had a real estate agent here looking for homes, and when it hit the market, they said, we'll take it sight unseen, and then flew in the next couple of days to look at it and said, yep, we like it, and went back home, and they moved out here like two or three weeks later. It's unbelievable, the, the, the people that are coming here from out of state. David, when you hear more and more folks are coming from other states, are you seeing any gang activity coming in from other states into Rutherford County? We always have some presence of that. Uh, it's never been a large factor in our schools, however. Um, it, we do see it in the communities from certain areas and so forth. Um, the school situation with gangs is, you know, there are some students here and there that are involved with that, but it's not a heavy presence by any means. And it doesn't impact the day-to-day -day safety of the school that I've seen as an SRO for 20 years. Um, there's yes. certain instances that have taken place here and there, but it's it's very sporadic and very limited. You know, sometimes we see that those in some of the nearby larger cities will come in to Rutherford County in order to, uh, I don't know, do some type of gang activity or, or crime. Are we seeing that here in the Rutherford County schools at this time? I'm not seeing it in the schools at all. No, sir. Uh, there may There may be some of that in the community, but I'm not privy to that information um we have I, I will give some kudos to our sros and our administrators that they stay on top of things like that if it develops and and take care of it thoroughly uh address it and come up with plans to manage it so uh i don't see it in our schools no sir when it comes to problems with students who are you know maybe not following the rules they're supposed to getting into fights whatever the case is is it sometimes a bigger problem to work with those parents of that student or is the student pretty approachable usually? It, I, I would say that depends on the parent and the student. It, it, I see all sorts of situations take place. Um, we have an entire uh, support team in each school for students that are having difficulties, uh, not just with bullying, but also if, if they're being aggressive and so forth. Um, and we come up with safety plans for those students, uh, working with psychologists and counselors to come up with ideas to help them. And for the most part, these, these work pretty well. I, I guess most of the schools, they've got the principals, they've got the SROs to really tackle any Correct. huge discipline issues they may come across. But are, are you ever having to step in and, and kind of be a go-between or figure out what to do next? 
Um, and there may be some figuring out what to do next, but I don't become a go-between. That's that's really outside my role. Um, the administrator in the school is the one who has the ultimate say with Mr. Spurlock, our director of schools. Um, my job is more to make sure that the front end things are taken care of, uh, that there's policies, procedures, and, and uh, also equipment in place to manage all those sorts of things for the students to keep it safer. You know, we've heard talks uh, about in the state allowing for teachers to go armed is that something that you ever foresee happening within tennessee or rutherford county i know there's some discussion about it um i personally uh, with our sros in the school i feel that's quite sufficient uh, they're very well trained law enforcement officers uh, not only are they uh, usually have at least four or five years under their belt on the street as law enforcement but they also have a desire to work with children and have been trained in the uh, national, the NASRO, it's called. A, it's an actual program, uh, National Association of School Resource Officers, that they have to qualify to get, actually to get their certification to become a SRO. Do we have more than one SRO at some of the schools due to the Yes, size? all our high schools have, all our comprehensive high schools, the large high schools have two, and have had for years. That's not a new event. So I guess as we grow even more, I mean, there's a chance we could see even larger schools, I would guess, right? It's a possibility. Um, uh, uh, there, there, you, there becomes a point of diminishing uh, ability to where the cost, long-term cost, you get to a certain point where you start having to add enough additional staff members that over time you're sustained cost becomes more than your construction cost now don't get me wrong that's a long period of time but if you look in Rutherford <clears throat> County we've got some old schools <laughs> they're not going anywhere um, so, so if you start discussing um, getting you know four or five thousand you know student high schools if you know that's where you begin to run into real problems from a safety and a and a um, discipline standpoint i mean a lot of your urban new york chicago california those kind of places they have very large high schools but the the, the main problem is is they're still they're super dense high, high apartment complex which don't get me wrong we're getting some of that in relative county now but they're super dense the schools are still closer <laughs> than our schools but they're super dense and and the land cost is astronomical uh, um, you know we're and don't get me wrong this is this is expensive land but if you're spending 25 to thirty thousand dollars per acre for a piece of land uh, in a typical school and I'll throw you out a couple of numbers just as an example we do a cost analysis when we begin to look at one story versus two story and part of that is the the land cost that's the big driving force if I take a school, elementary, middle, doesn't, doesn't matter, and I make it from a one-story to a two-story, and I save two acres of ground, and we're going to pay $30,000 an acre for that land. I'm going to save two acres by going to two-story construction. Once I go to two-story, I've saved $60,000 in land cost. Well, I've got to put in an elevator now at least one. If it's a high school, I have to have two, but I'm gonna put in one elevator, and the elevator now is over a hundred grand. And then you have all the problems that come with an elevator. And, and, and then you've got stairwells, 
They have to add exit stairwells for fire escape and all these other things. Plus, I've got to add additional administration. Uh, if it's an elementary or a middle school, I can get by with probably two administrators in a hallway during class dismissal or in the morning. The way our schools are designed, they can pretty much cover all of the hallways with two administrators. When I go upstairs, I got to add a third set of eyes, you know, to go up there now. And that's just for, you know, and if the numbers justify it, we do have three APs in a, in a number of our schools. But when you start out with a new school, typically you wouldn't need a third. But it, those things begin to come into play when you go up. Um, so I think we're in a pretty good position with our number of students per school. Could we add another couple hundred? Yeah, probably. We are looking at now, and this is a design change that we added with the new school that's being built um, in the Christiana area. We have designed the buildings now, even though it's a design that we've built before talked about going back and looking at things we can do better we went back and looked at it and came up with a, a way that we could add 12 classrooms to it and we could do them four at a time well everybody likes brick and mortar nobody likes portables uh, we don't like portables um, we have 153 now um, we don't like them uh, so if I can, as a school grows, come in and add four classrooms, brick and mortar, to me, that's much better than adding four portables. So we've actually added 12 times, we've actually added 300 students to that campus when it's completely built out. We're building it now for 1,000 to 1,100. Now I'm looking at that campus being 1,500, roughly, when it's completely built out, and we're going ahead and building the cafeteria large enough for that max number and we'll build the kitchen large enough for that max number and we may not put all the equipment in and then as the school grows we'll add the equipment as we go that's your big problem with our existing buildings the cafeterias in the kitchens are not designed to handle these portable three to four hundred kids that, that are there. They're not designed to do that. So they start doing lunch at 9 30, 10 o'clock in the morning and they go to 1 30 in the afternoon to get all the children through. You so, know, it, it, it's wild to think that schools have over a thousand students. I mean, that, that's the population more than the population of some towns in Tennessee. Yes, sir, it is. And, and that's, an, uh, that's a that's our target for elementaries is 11 to 1200 our middle schools is you know we kind of like that same number and then high schools are you know 24 to 2500 have we hit that 50,000 student enrollment number yet we're knocking on the door we are absolutely knocking on the and door. and we could we could get there this year but we're we are really knocking on the door if we don't get it this year it'll be a cakewalk next year it's pretty hard to believe Yes, I mean is. that that is bigger than we're on the we're on the doorstep of becoming the third largest district in the state of Tennessee. We're going to surpass Hamilton County. Fifty thousand students. I mean, I don't think anybody looking back would ever have guessed that because that that's just. I mean, I remember when it was thirty-two thousand students, and that was a big number. Yeah. yeah, and everybody said, "Then, man, this is huge. We'll never go any. We won't ever go beyond this." <laughs> <laughs> so, how how hard is it to orchestrate? security over a student population of close to 50,000 students. I mean, that's 
I know you have the SROs to work with and all of that, but you have to do so much more than just working with SROs. You got to think outside the box, I would say. Oh, absolutely. Every day. (laughs) It's a, it's definitely a think outside the box event. Um, I have a, I have a group of, or a a sort of a triad of things I work with. I work with uh, our engineering staff and development. I work with the SROs and then I work with the administrators uh, in the schools and maintaining security and so forth. We have a number of uh, systems and um, technical items that we use in each school to ensure security. Obviously, cameras are key among that. Um, one of the exciting things we've done this year, um, we've qualified for um, a D- U.S. Department of Justice grant um, for a significant amount of money to tie into the county's uh, apex trunking radio system. So all our all our uh, county entities are coming online together. So our, our transportation for the school buses, our schools, uh, EMA, EMS, fire, police, the sheriff's department, and so forth, are all going to be able to cross-communicate. And that's very key uh, in handling any sort of a situation, and it, all, it improves our security dramatically. Uh, I'm very excited about getting that grant. So with this... Is everybody going to be communi- communicating digital, or is it going to be analog? So we Analog's still- basically the Model T at this point. Um, this this program is, is digital in nature, and it, it, the ability of this program is not only to bring these people together in talk groups, but also um, to talk anywhere in Rutherford County. So... And, and we've already tried it out. It's it's the the network's already in place. They're adding a few repeaters, uh, but it's very clear as a bell from anywhere you can talk in in Fosterville area right on up to Laverne. It's like you're right there in the same room. It's one amazing. Of the, one of the things that's that's really been important to this is because it is encompassing all, everybody. Our transportation department now, in the event of a security type issue, and we'll kind of leave it at that they would be able to have an emergency button that they can push on that radio. They could also, if they needed to in the event unfolded correctly, then they can actually talk to the responding officers. Uh, we switch a channel or, you know, that sort of thing. We won't get into all of that, but it's, it's, we've never had that capability before. A, a bus driver would have to radio in, central office would have to, you know, help, depending on where they were in the county, uh, there's, there's dead spots with cell phones, so they may not be able to get out. So we would have to call the sheriff's department or the local police department. And start talking about time. Um, this is this is a huge leap forward for us as a county um, in safety for our students. Another thing that David and I have worked uh, very closely on. We started last year, uh, actually it's the year before, and we just got completed last year. All of our schools now, you used to be able to just walk up to the main door and open the door and go right on in. You can no longer do that. All of our schools are uh, locked now, uh, similar to what y'all have here. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a camera. You ring the doorbell, somebody looks at you, we can ask for, you know, see your idea out there, you know, look at our list if you're a bad guy, good guy, whatever and then allow you to come into the building. Whereas in the past, you know, you just walked right in the door, right on into the office, and you can no longer do that. And that's taken a significant amount of money, and, and that program and a lot of those things had started prior to David taking over 
But once David got here, we were able to, by our collaboration, we, we've been able to uh, exponentially increase the rate at which we've been able to do a lot of things to get us to a place that it was going to take us a number of years longer to get there. And, and by working together, we've been able to get a lot more done. How in the world does somebody in the office figure out whether or not, well, is this person on, you know, the, the so-called bad guy list? I, I mean, how, how do you make a decision have, that quickly? We have uh, uh, the ability, first of all, to uh, vet the person at the front. So we have them show their license or their ID, whatever they have. And uh, we, we do require some sort of picture ID to pick up a child. Um, once they allow them into the building, then uh, if they're there to visit, we're going to clear them through our own uh, Raptor clearing system, which is uh, it's a contractor that we work with. Um, and that system keeps up with the national database on sex offenders, uh, people that have outstanding warrants and so forth and it's very effective and if it does it issues an alert and notifies the administrator the sro and a number of other people across the county so have you had to i don't know move into an office to say hey i'm sorry you can't go there and we need to figure out what's going on with these warrants that you have i mean have things like that happened it's yet seldom that that has happened uh but it has and the sro usually handles that that's got to be kind of an odd situation to, to come across I mean because you have somebody and it could be a parent going mm -hmm. there to meet a, a child but may not be a child they have custody of. correct uh, that's our biggest concern especially uh, with the young the littles you know that the, the parents having custody is key that, that our front office staff have become legal yeah, <laughs> experts especially yeah. in child custody issues where there's been a divorce or you know and, and you can't go into all the things that go into all of those and one child has custodial service and dad shows up and wants to get the kid well the kid knows dad great guy you know or at least the child thinks so mm -hmm. uh, but mom may have and it may be the other way around you know but but the, someone has primary custodial services we have to have all of that documentation we have to have all of that information and those ladies typically at the front desk have to do all that and run the it, their license may come back clean the other thing that they're uh, we do not allow a child to leave with someone in a car if they don't have a valid driver's license we have a lot of people that drive around Rutherford County with no license no insurance no anything and when they show up to get a child they'll have a proof of ID mm -hmm. that says yes I am Trey Lee if it's not that they asked where's your driver's license and, and and if they they can get belligerent in a hurry i drove that's none of your business uh, you know that uh, i have an id i am who i am i'm on the list let me have the child where's you know and the sro may or may not have to get involved but if they don't have a driver's license that they, they won't let them go with them you know they'll tell them you will put buy you an uber get you a taxi call somebody yeah we but, don't deny custody we just arrange for uh, safe transportation for the child you, you know it, it's got to be in today's times it's got to be kind of tough because in other states where you've heard of news stories where you know this this father came in kidnapped a child that's got to be tough to come against because sometimes a well, father or a mother may not be on that list but absolutely. yet like you said the child may know them but they're not supposed to be alone with that child they 
come in there and try to get a lot, a lot of time what we what we struggle with as a as a school is the latest of the late uh, uh, latest Legals. judge's rule yep so parent number one will come in with a judge's order that says that parent has temporary emergency custody of the child and then the other one comes in 10 minutes later with one that's later it's it's temp, it's you know maybe signed 30 minutes later by the same judge or another judge that's where it gets very difficult to determine you know exactly who and it there's been cases uh in the past where you know somebody will show up with what appears to be absolutely final documentation and it's all verified time stamped signed by the judge all the things we require and then turns out that that there was another emergency order but that parent failed to bring it in mm. and and we don't know that so there's nothing we can do in those cases it's it's just a weird time in which we live it seems yes. like you know everything's different but i've noticed that the administrators at, at all the schools i've visited here in rutherford county they're really good at knowing the children who go there they're good at knowing and getting used to seeing who the parent is so they're usually pretty quick i guess at recognizing well i've never seen you here before this this is weird uh but they're pretty quick at figuring stuff out it seems like i think our administrators uh countywide do a great job of uh, managing that dynamic and it is a dynamic because it changes every day and it starts with that secretary at the front desk. Right, absolutely. They're they're the key person in my world uh, as as the safety director. Those secretaries at the front are are my number one uh, person that I go to for information. They know what's going on at any given moment, who's come in, who's gone out, and what's happening in the school. And they know the children. They know the parents. Yeah, they know the parents. They they, they know the parents probably better than anybody. You know, because they have more interaction with them. Yeah. Than 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 anybody when the child, especially in your lower grades, elementary, middle school, Mm -hmm. middle it begins to transition a little bit. In high school, maybe not so much because in high school the kid can bring a note. They verify the note. A lot of them are driving. You know, they can go to the dentist on their own, or you know, if the parent deems it okay or whatever. But in the elementary, in the middle, the parents come in and the parents go out, or the grandparents come in and the grandparents go out, or the custodial whatever comes in and they go out, and they have interaction with those uh, folks at the front desk more than anybody, and, and they can tell you real quick. So that, if a student you know is acting like well something's not right here is the sro usually able to pick up on that and and say well let's let's further check into this well our sros are not called to the front unless there is a possible problem they aren't necessarily in any one point of the school our sros move around constantly they're never in the same spot um so it's usually where the secretary is going to be involved with a situation that he or she thinks is a little weird you know and and may call the SRO up. Hey, can you come up here for a minute? The SROs are usually not far away from the front office, so they can you know, pop in pretty quick and uh, be on site and start getting involved if necessary. So again, goes to the design of the school. Are they able to get to the front door quickly? Yes, and then, uh, then another thing, we, we there's a number of levels. Um, we have crisis response teams. We have guidance counselors. We have all these kind of things dependent upon the need of the child. It may not be an SRO that's called up front. It could be a guidance type person. It could be, you know, one of the school psychologists. But those ladies at the front are typically the first sign or the teacher. But they'll see it mm-hmm. quicker than any 
than most. The teacher, because they're in their class, and the and the ladies at the front who see the children go in and out. They're usually fairly quick. And sometimes our transportation people. Right. We've got a lot of keen bus drivers that this time of year, because it's new routes and we when we open schools, it takes them a little bit of time to learn their children. But then they'll learn um, their children, where they get on and off, their mannerisms, whether they're – typically if a child's acting out on a bus, they're acting out in the classroom. They're not going to – as a typical rule. Um, so they end up becoming another line of – that child seems to be acting weird, mm -hmm. you know, and they'll catch an administrator either when they're dropping children off or picking them up. So we have a, I mean, it's a lot of folks that are watching after our children. It's not, I mean, and it's pretty much anybody they come in contact with. It's definitely with. a village. A school is a village watching out over these children. And that's, I guess, where it comes into play where a teacher, a bus driver, whoever it may be, they're able to figure out as well if something could be going on in the home. Right. Correct. It's very possible. Very it, possible. I, and yeah. I, I've always heard that often teachers are the first to pick up on something happening, any kind mm -hmm. of child abuse, and mm -hmm. they're the ones who report it. Right. Uh, so I, that's right. another thing that SROs have to come up against. Right. They, they do occasionally get involved in that as well. Um, very frequently, uh, child abuse situations are reported directly by the teacher or the counselor. Um, if it is serious in nature, they're going to notify the SRO immediately. If it's neglectful situations, uh, it may be something DCS can handle directly. Again, with us this morning from the Rutherford County School System, we have Assistant Superintendent for Engineering and Consulting, Trey Lee, and also School Safety Director, David Krim. Time right now, 8.55. We're going to pause for the weather and find out what's happening with the current weather situation and the traffic. And this is brought to you by First Class Sales and Service of Smyrna. And they are your hometown auto repair shop. Again, first class sales and service in Smyrna now offering 10% off labor costs for any job. And they're also tacking on another 5% off for first responders, veterans, Rutherford County teachers, students, as well as MTSU teachers and students. So that's up to 15% off labor costs for any car repair at first class sales and service located in Smyrna. And now here is a look at that forecast. We'll see a few scattered showers and storms here this afternoon with cloudy skies, a high in the mid 70s. Northwest winds of 5 to 15 miles per hour, gusting as high as 25. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 68. Good morning. Traffic still holding up right now as we check it out live. 24 here up by Elmaville Road. 840's got some traffic. Obviously, this time of the morning, most of it's headed towards Franklin, Williamson County. We've seen some radar coming out of Coffee County out here on 24 in the Rutherford. Hey, celebrate autumn at Obergatlinburg during Oktoberfest. It's happening right now through November 1st. Check it out. Obergatlinburg.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. This is Peter Demas, and I invite your family to come and join our family back at Demas's Restaurants. One of the things that we have always done is we have been very careful with the way that we sanitize our tables. We have mandatory hand washing stations. Our employees are required to wear masks. We are just overall just being very careful with everything that we are doing and the way we handle food, the way we handle plates to ensure everybody's safety as they return and start enjoying the dining room experience again. Demas's Restaurants on Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, Alexa, or Google devices. Search 
WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Take advantage now at First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. Up to 10% off labor costs for your next car repair job and 15% off labor costs for teachers, students, first responders, and veterans. That's First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Did you know we specialize in commercial and fleet business? We're equipped to handle all of your company's automotive needs. Download our Tire World app today for free oil changes and electronic coupons. Come by today for all of your automotive needs. Online at tireworld.us. COVID-19 has changed our world. And First National Bank of Murfreesboro is here to help you. During these uncertain times, it's good to have a friend to walk with you and help with financial guidance. First National Bank of Murfreesboro is here to help you with free text banking, bill paying, mobile deposits, and more. I'm Shelly Rigsby, manager of First National Bank of Murfreesboro. And I'm Amanda Gentry. Now a part of the Capstar Bank family, member FDIC. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's place to talk. Time right now, 8.59, again with us this morning from the Rutherford County School System, Assistant Superintendent for Engineering and Consulting, Trey Lee, and also School Safety Director, David Krim. And uh, we're already pretty much out of time. So as we close this morning, if anybody has any questions about anything that we talked about this morning, can they give one of the schools a call or should they call the main office? Uh, Based on what we've discussed today, I'd say contact either james evans or myself at the central office sounds either by email or whatever we'll be try we'll be glad to try and answer their question sounds good well thank you very much for joining us this morning and we'll see y'all again in the near future thank you thank you time right now nine o'clock local news comes your way next followed by cbs news and we'll take a look at what's happening around the country and around the world again all of that comes your way next it's now nine o'clock